This is Ken Lubin, and welcome to the Ultimate Hire podcast. What is the Ultimate Hire? The Ultimate Hire is the professional that every business, team, or leader needs in their organization. This is the high-performance individual that always rises to the top, brings the team to the next level, and can significantly add to the bottom line. The Ultimate Hire is the person that you can't afford to be without. Finding, attracting, hiring, and retaining these professionals is critical to the success of your business. We have identified these traits and can help you find these top professionals. A little bit about me. I'm a managing director and longest tenured employee with ZRG Partners. I'm the creator of the Ultimate Hire blog, founder of Executive Athletes, a U.S. Olympic Committee career advisor, and endurance athlete as well as following my true passion of being a husband, father, and son. I love to get people out of their comfort zone while helping them achieve their dreams and companies achieve their goals by helping them realize the importance of living a high-performance life. This podcast will feature hiring strategies, interview tips, conversations with key business leaders, as well as other search professionals. This is designed to give individuals and organizations tools and tactics to have a competitive advantage for career growth, business growth, and insights to the most important resource, the people. If anyone has any questions, feel free to reach out to me at klubin at ZRG Partners, and I hope you enjoy the show. This episode's guest is Summer Anderson. For more than 20 years, Summer has been spearheading executive searches around the globe. She has a proven track record of guiding executive level leaders to immediate clarity, simplifying complex organizational matters, and building exceptional executive teams. She's a trusted advisor to senior executive clients and candidates within Fortune 500 security, technology, and fast, fast growth companies. Summer's known for her solar network of longstanding relationships and as a catalyst for mindset shifts in corporate leaders, which create cultural health and bottom line growth. Summer's focus encompasses most aspects of the technology industry, including cloud and SaaS-based solutions, hardware, security, digital transformation, AI, and IoT platforms. Her deep experience in this space includes the assessment of and placement of C-suite executives and board members within the above verticals. So Summer, welcome to the show. Thank you, Ken. Thanks for that intro. It feels <laughs> overwhelming and um, humbling. Thank you for that. It's, it's funny when you hear people say intros, you're like, wow, that person sounds super cool, but it's really not me. <laughs> Precisely. <laughs> So, yeah, you know, you're a new member to ZRG. Um, you've done, you, you have an amazing background. You've seen some, you've been around, you know, in the business as long as I have through a couple different recessions here. And now, right now, we're in the, mid of the, in the middle of the COVID-19 epidemic. But tell us a little bit about who Summer is and how Summer ended up in, in this business. Oh, thank you. Um, it's, well, it's kind of a fun story and I'll give you the cliff notes, but um, I actually was in the insurance business right out of college because my dad said so. so <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> I said, yes, sir, and uh, signed up for it and learned how to dial for dollars, which early days in search, that's, that's how we did it, right? There was a lot. 100%. Of- it was a list and say, here it is for the day and how many go can you do? Go, good it, luck yeah. and go for it. Yeah, that's exactly right. So I think probably what I d- developed there was fearlessness. 
I happened to cold call a search firm. Um, and Tim O'Shea was one of the principals of it. It was a boutique search firm and it was upstairs because I decided I'm only going to ride the elevator. I went up the elevator, met with him, took a big, you know, producer with me to try and land the deal. I got a call when I got back to my desk and Tim said, come back upstairs, but without the big guy. <laughs> and he offered me a job. Uh, awesome. And that was the beginning of an amazing relationship when I worked for Tim for five years at Hydric and he basically sewed best practices into me. I have so much to thank him for. Um, so that's how I began. And it's crazy of what the beginning of this business was, right? I started in with K-Force in the boiler room and it was just list upon list and you print out these lists of phone numbers. You didn't know if they worked or not worked and tried to sound intelligent, which I never did. And it was, uh, it was a crazy business. And I think really, if you've learned how to overcome that fearlessness, number one, but number two, get lucky, it sort of kept you going a little bit, right? And a little bit of luck and a little bit of fearlessness. It's amazing what it can do. True. It's, it's the beginning of it. So you're in the tech space. You're out in California. Talk to us a little bit about what you're seeing in the market out there. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. I mean, here we are in the middle of COVID. It's, it's a scary time for um, a lot of reasons. The great news, the bright light of this is that we can't do what we're doing today without technology as our hub. So thankfully, a lot of the technology companies are still thriving because we're all working from home. We're all counting on platforms like this one to be able to see each other and have conversations and continue business forward and making sure that commerce and the economy continues. Um, so I, I guess I have a glass half full uh, assessment of where we are and exactly what it is we get to do next. Um, and I'm excited because the more that we lean into innovation, the more that we will get there, if that's where our minds are, which is really my, my favorite topic. And I can't imagine, we'll get into the mind piece, but think of the tech that's being developed right now, right? If you said 45 days ago, and I probably say this on every podcast we're talking about, but that 95 or 90% of the people are going to be working from home, that all the kids are going to be homeschooled and that we're going to be in the middle of a global pandemic where you can't go out. You got to stay six feet apart from each other, that this would ever happen. It'd be like, that's the craziest thing I ever heard. <laughs> but, but what's crazy, what's even crazier or what's even awesome is the resilience that we had. Number one is humans, the innovation, and that there is really a hiccup for probably 72 hours after the first sort of hangover, maybe a week, right? But once you sort of got through that, it's like, wow, let's figure out how to do this. Let's figure out how to do that. And it's just sort of mind blowing. I think it's going to change everything. It will indeed. In fact, I saw a tweet from some NASA engineers that they had produced a special COVID ventilator in 37 days. Wow. So if you're not going to put a man on the moon tomorrow, but you can have the brain power to make things better. I, I think that's what's coming out of this. It's innovation that's under a serious time deadline. And that's, you know, there's nothing more powerful than that. You don't want to be there, but once you're there, you realize what we can do. And that's what's exciting, right? And I think it's, this isn't, I, I don't think this is actually the end of, people think it's like the end of the world. It's actually just the beginning because the internet really didn't become interactive until five or six years ago, probably a little bit earlier than that with LinkedIn and Facebook and some of those. So say 10 years ago, but now it's highly interactive, right? You can't, 
you almost can't function without it. And where's that going to go? What's going to go next? Same with developing vaccines and developing life science and pharma, the whole pharma piece and the healthcare piece and telemedicine. It's, it's, it's going to be awesome. I agree. I completely agree. And I'm excited to see what happens. So we've talked a lot about mindset, right? And, you know, sort of some, it may be sort of woo woo for a lot of people, but I, you know, I love this stuff, sort of flow state, getting into the right mindset, sort of the mind body connection. You have a lot of very, you know, similar thoughts and that whole piece of things. And you're probably even way more innovative about it than I am, but talk to us a little bit about mindset. Number one, number two, though, talk to about a book you're writing about mindset, which is super cool. And I think is probably going to be instrumental in you know, for a lot of people moving forward from this. Wow. Thanks, Ken. Um, so what I will say is, you know, for the athletes in the audience, you've already got a, a really important aspect wired into you right now for who you are, setting goals and monitoring, measuring your inputs and your outputs. You know, how's my heart rate? How is my mile? How fast did I get that done? That sort of thing is very, very similar to what we do with mindset. If we start paying attention to what our thoughts are, what we can create is amazing. There is this amazing quote from, well, Maggie Thatcher, who's one of my favorite all-time female leaders out there. And I know she's very controversial, but what she often would say, because her dad would say it, is our thoughts become our words and our words become our actions our actions become our character and our character becomes our destiny. It starts with our thoughts. Where is our head? And if you're thinking about, I can't get through this 26 mile marathon today, you won't. If you know you can, you will. You might even beat your time from last time. It's all in your head. Same thing is true in business. We're in the middle of a pandemic. If we believe, that we can thrive and grow and innovate, we will. And if we hole up and put our heads in, you know, heads in the hole, <laughs> in the ground, we won't. So that's, that's, that's really where it comes from. The book, Start Within, came out of really a passion for seeing how we as leaders and others that we get to touch every day can, could endure the kind of rigor of international flights, crazy AM meetings, um, the street pounding on your hood when things aren't as planned as things like COVID show up. That's a lot of pressure. And if the mind is not where it needs to be, things blow up. We as people are human. We are. And I think that's the piece of it, right? And I was talking to, I was actually on a podcast on a sort of this crazy race I do. And we're talking about sort of mindset going into things. And one person asked me, it's like, how do you, how do you create like a panic situation without being panicked? And that's a hard thing to do because we all sort, you know, we don't, we don't understand that. And one thing that I, that that's worked for me to really do is sort of, and you can play with it is sort of like the Wim Hof ice bath thing, right? A lot of people aren't going to get into a 32, 34 degrees water without a little bit of panic going into it. 
And once you, I've experimented a lot of cold stuff. I'm a ski racer. I've been plenty cold a lot of my life. And really what it is, it comes down to mindset, right? It's talking to yourself into being warm. And I think, but if you want to experience sort of a panic situation, that's a controlled panic situation, try getting into an ice bath. That's going to be up to your neck. Right. And because if you don't breathe through it and you don't have the right mindset, it's going to change your entire experience. You could come out, you could go in and be like, I'm never doing that again. I don't like cold. I don't even want ice in my drinks for the rest of my life to the fact that I'm, I feel so refreshed and so energized in the fact, and that I was able to talk myself through this. Talk to us a little bit about, you know, that type of mindset. And I think a lot of that can relate to a lot of stuff that's going on during this pandemic. It's a good question. Um, you know, right now, what I'll say is, you know, the, the panic attending is not helpful. Um, as, as you said, if we can breathe through it, what happens is we get stronger. I, I'll, I'll take a page out of yoga because that's, that's something I'm really familiar with and skiing as well. Really uncomfortable situations where you're in a blizzard and skiing and you don't know where up is and down is and left and right. And you totally are not sure how to get down. Um, there's, there's a certain mindset that you have to pull through and that is calm. I'm really uncomfortable right now, which we are. We're not in our, our desired situation. We're not able to go outside and do all the wonderful things and have the parties and get togethers and graduations and so on that we'd love to. However, how we handle this is how we handle everything else. And what we found is that, this is really cool, our bodies were hardwired to get through specific really traumatic events we have a chemical pharmacy that essentially is stocked and ready to go so when we're in the middle of a situation where we've got to fight or run we have cortisol we have all different kinds of adrenaline dumping into our system so we can run away our muscles are armed with blood and quite frankly our brains are not working quite as clearly um, However, when we maintain our cool, because nobody's chasing us with a gun, there's no saber tooth tiger, what happens is we're able to do what pro athletes do, which is operate in flow and high alpha. And that is something that can be learned. That's, I think that's the biggest takeaway. If we use this time to throw ourselves into alpha, we're going to be able to do what those astronauts did, create a COVID ventilator in 37 days or some other crazy feat we never thought was possible. That's the key. No, that, and how do you get into flow, right? Talk to us about, you know, getting to that flow state because it's what athletes, what used to be called the zone is now called flow state and people are, it's sort of the, uh, the world all high performers are looking for, right? How, how, how can they get in the flow state, whether you're coding, whether you're an athlete, whether you're writing, whether you're performing. Talk to us a bit about this whole world, number one. Number two, you know, any resources you can provide for people about that. Yep. So I'll, I'll give you a little bit of um, neuroscience first, and then we'll talk about solutions, like how do you create it. Perfect. So we now know, thanks to neuroscientists and cardiologists getting together 
and talking to each other, that our brain and our heart work on the same wavelengths. And if we hook up all parts of ourselves, both to, leads to our brain and our heart, our bodies will mirror one over the other. So when we're an alpha, we have these long sweeping, beautiful wavelengths that essentially help us. We're breathing well, our heart is steady, and our, our brain is optimized. And those that are in, let's just call them pro, pro athletes, they're able to put themselves there. Why? Because they're practiced. They've visualized exactly what they're going to do. And so their bodies just take over. And they're able to do exactly what they need to do over a short period of time. Part of that is visualization. The other state that we have is um, high beta. Now, high beta is where we live most of the time as Americans and those in the first world countries. Why? Because we're under a lot of stress. And high beta is more of this jagged upward trajectory where we're not really breathing and our brain is not functioning all that well. It's perfect for running away or getting into a fist fight, but it's not good for much else, which is not great if you're running a company. <laughs> so being able to go, I'm not breathing, and thanks to Apple Watch and a couple of other apps like HeartMath, we're able to remember what good feels like. When we're in high beta all the time, our bodies start to think that's normal. And normal, in high beta is what gets us sick. Cancer, various different other heart diseases, things where our bodies break down because we're not meant to be under that kind of strain and we're not meant to have those chemicals flowing through our bodies 100% of the time. It's the reason why we're not sleeping and why we're not relational and why we're missing the lives we're in right now. Whereas if we're in flow, we're thinking clearly, we're listening more carefully, and we're caring for the person in front of us because we're present. That's yeah, no, and that's amazing, right? It's, you can always tell everyone, if you talk to a lot of people, you do it, I do it. Everyone's just trying to figure out how to answer the next question, right? They're not even listening to what you're saying. You're trying to predict what they're going to say and how you're going to have that answer for that question. And I think what you're saying is if you're in that flow state, you are listening, right? You're becoming you know, sort of a proactive listener versus a reactive listener or a proactive salesperson versus a reactive salesperson or a proactive athlete versus a reactive athlete, right? I think there's, it's two totally different sort of states and mindsets. Yes, exactly right. And, and so if we get to choose the, that is the key. We, we do get to choose so if I choose to program my body to think that the good chemicals, oxytocin, dopamine, all the other good stuff that comes with feeling good is normal, I have to first retrain my brain to that's where I want to spend my time. So when I start to feel high beta again, which this happens to me all the time, I am not immune, trust me. That's why I speak about <laughs> we all this. are. <laughs> when I start to feel myself in high beta and my kids are looking at me like, are you kidding? Really, mom? I remember I need to go back outside and I need to go walk. I need to breathe. I need to refocus because I'm not the me I want to be. My best self is me when I'm breathing and I'm present. Whether that's my kids or whether it's my husband or the clients that we serve. 
No, and that's true. And, and a lot of people don't realize too, is that people smoke, people eat, people go running because, or whatever it is, it can be healthy or non-healthy, but what it's really doing is changing your breathing patterns, right? When you eat, your breathing's different. When you're smoking, your breathing's different. When you're going for a run, your breathing's different. And it sort of brings you back to that state of calmness that you don't, you didn't know, you don't know that's why you're doing it, but that's why you're doing it. Yes. Well, and, and, it's so key that we find healthy habits to get us there, right? Because there's there's numbing in there too, which I've I've had more conversations with friends who are admitting to. Is it fine yet? In COVID, I want a, a glass of wine right now. Right. You know, I, it's it's we're looking for ways to numb ourselves rather than to feel good. And so, you know, I think probably, and I know that this is it's the holy grail, and everybody doesn't want to hear it, but meditation and prayer, when we can get centered, truly centered, what happens is that when something gets really uncomfortable, we have a reservoir to pull from. Mm -hmm. Whereas if I know if I haven't in a while, guess what? You're not going to get the best me. Right. No, it's, it's true. Let's shift gears a little bit. Let's talk about, you know, leading through adversity. And some of the uncertainty, you know, as we all know, uncertainty begins with the leader, right? And how does the leader change? Not that you need to change the culture, but how does the leader lead versus manage, right? It's two totally different things. Talk to us about leadership during this pandemic, but it could have been 08, 09, it could have been 9, 11, it could have been whatever market that they're in between those times as well that is all taking a hit along the way. How do leaders lead through this adversity and, and what are you seeing? You know, it's, it's interesting. Um, we're in the middle of finishing up the book, Start Within. And so I've had the amazing pleasure of talking to some of just world-class CEOs and senior executives who naturally do this because it was modeled for them as kids. They lived in a household where mom or dad were great examples of how you mean maintain the right mindset. So I'll give you a, for example, I'm going to anonymize this person Perfect. because I don't have their permission uh, to talk about this. They're in the book, but we haven't talked about this, this, um, this podcast um, executive in a fortune 10 company grew up in a, a middle Eastern country and dad had this amazing capability of being able to compartmentalize what was happening at the office and saw that if he brought those emotions, those negative emotions home, that it was selfish. That's how he saw it. So he could, he, he put an identity around a habit and the habit was, this is not only something that's not good to do. I'm not going to bleed all over my family or the people at work who are not personally affected by what I'm going through, I'm going to hold on to this. And I'm also going to process it in a way that I have confidence. If we don't figure it out today, we'll figure it out tomorrow. So that confidence was not just him. It was the confidence of others on the team. We've put together the right team, which is why, Ken, what we do is so important. And I love what we get to do. Right. If the right team is in place, they cohesively hold each other up and make each other stronger. Um, and so the, the leaders that do this best do two things. They inspire confidence in their people. 
I believe you're smart enough to figure this out, one. Two, they're also all about making sure that that message is consistent. So there's never this watching over the shoulder, like second guessing. You said that, but I don't really believe you. There's energy that's expended there if that team doesn't have full confidence that that leader has them, truly believes in them, and also gives them air cover if they fail or they're on their way to failure. That that leader will give them that much more rope and say, it's okay, this is on me as a leader to lead my team through this. If they're feeling the strain of where we are right now, it's my job to give them not only the confidence and the rope <laughs> to keep going, <laughs> Here's, keep running, keep right. going, but then give them the air cover. Make sure that senior management knows we need another, we need a little bit more time to bake this and then we'll have it ready. So there's grace involved and there's confidence, which gives innovation and trust space to grow. Does that make sense? It totally makes sense, right? And I think, and that's sort of my next question. Talk about, you know, mindset shift and clarity of mind. How do, how do leaders sort of find that, that clarity and really think about, you know, moving forward? Talk to us a little bit about that. You know, probably the most rewarding thing that we get to do on a daily basis is listen to these senior executives talk about what they're up to. I think sometimes operating executives, however, don't get the opportunity to think about their own vision. They're visioning for a company, for a body of people, but for them personally, they don't take that time. But what happens when someone of that caliber or any caliber for that matter, gets really clear on what they're up to, whether you are an alpine skier and a you know, champion athlete, or if you are an executive of a company when we take time out and we visualize what it is that we want, a couple of things happen in our brain that are really spectacular. And I'll, I'll give you this, this um, kind of paradigm that helped me understand it better. We'll talk about our limbic system, which is where our memories are stored, our feelings, our senses. So everything that we smell, taste, experience kind of registers in our limbic system. And we'll call that the elephant. And the elephant is unwieldy. It's passionate. It's it might sit down in the middle of a parade. We don't know, right? It's oh, totally. yep. right. We're in the middle of a diet and we eat a Snickers bar. What? Why? We just, we don't know. The other part, our prefrontal cortex is like a rider. The rider's a lot smaller than that giant elephant. However, if the rider's clear, it can direct that elephant anywhere it wants to go. And it can make it do you know, move trees out of the path, right? So now we have this really different, very powerful, connected, and clear purpose that we're going after. So we're talking about, I know what I'm up to. I know what my purpose is, and I can articulate it. I have the language to be able to tell others what I'm thinking not just for the company, but for myself. And do I fit into this company? Oftentimes executives will step back and say, maybe not. But there's a certain amount of freedom once we have a litmus test for ourselves. It's very whole. It's, it's, a, it's a whole feeling of I'm actually taking care of me. I'm actually taking care of my dreams. And when we lead from that place and we decide, yes, this is where I'm meant to live out my purpose, there's a new take on how we live. 
and that's contagious. It's actually intoxicating to our people because they don't fully understand what's going on. They can see their, their leaders done this 180 and they don't know why. So they're leaning in. Right. And whatever, whatever you give them at that point, they're like, I want whatever you've got. Give me the recipe. So when you roll out, here's the simple steps as a leader. Now you've got a team that not only trusts you because you're being authentic about your purpose, you've been a little bit vulnerable about your process and that you didn't have it figured out. And now they're so on board because that's what they want to follow. Perfect. So as a leader, what are, what are some thoughts, what are some steps that people can, can take, right. To really get there because a lot of leaders, that's their only identity, right. Is that their COO of XYZ organization and they forget that their identity is not their job and vice versa, right. A lot of people think that their identity is that's who they are and it's not who you are. It's just a job that helps pays the bills and, Okay. This, and the same thing is a lot of people, a lot of athletes as well, right, that are making the transition. Their identity was I'm a Division One lacrosse player or an Olympic sprinter. And now that my identity is gone, what do I do next, right? And, and, and that's a mindset shift that a lot of people have difficulties doing. And I think some, what are some of your thoughts on sort of making that shift and making that and, and really realizing that? So I'll, I'll go back to neuroscience because it's kind of the foundation of how we change. And by the way, one of my favorite books is Switch by Chip and Dan Heath. And I have a whole host of these lovely books, but this is one of my favorites because the tagline is how to change things when change is hard. And essentially part of it is that first we have to want the change enough. And secondly, we need to be able to start to write about it. So, and we'll need to allow our, our minds to do this in our subconscious, which is not a, a, a place that we go very often. However, if for all athletes out there and for those that are not, if you, your last mile of your run or your cycle, your drive home, your moment in the shower, when we're on autopilot, we come up with ahas. Why? Because our brains are operating on a different wavelength and we're allowing it to happen. So being able to tune into that and ask that subconscious, what, what do I need to do here? Is a really important step. And so you could say, what's my purpose now? That might be a, a, a note that you write to yourself in, in a notebook. I would just recommend go and get yourself a notebook. And page one is, what do I really want to do with my life? Or what fills me up? really wide sweeping, big questions for starters. And then listen for your answer and have that notebook with you so that you write it down. It might be two in the morning. It might be at a stoplight on your drive home. It might be something that you have to audio at a stoplight while you're on your bike and say, this is what I learned so that you remember. But the important part is, is being able to connect what happened on Monday and that insight with what happened on Sunday this, of this week and connect the common dots so that you come up with some kind of diagram or construct that helps you to see what you're best at, what lights you up, and what your gift to humanity is going to be. When you start to think like that, you think big, bigger than yourself, 
then you'll feel alive. Right. Uh, and that's scary for lots of people, right? To really, to put that down on paper because then it's real. It's one thing, it's, it's similar to what I have each of my candidates do is here. You sort of write your outline, right? And then at that point, it's a totally different ballgame because now it's real. It's written down. And when people write, it's, it's goes, you're sort of going through two different brain, right? You're thinking about it and then it's coming out again, right? So it's, you know, when I study or when I teach my kids to study, it's one thing I always did was read it, put it into my brain and then write it back out again in order to learn it three times. And you, you don't really realize that you're doing it, but it's there. But it's a very difficult thing for in, you know individuals to really put those hard thoughts down. Who am I? What I am I? And, and where I'm going to go? And I think a lot of people don't realize it until it's too late. Right. I think I totally agree. And the, I did this whole career for 50 years and I don't even know why I did it or remember how I got into it or it was just going from day to day. Yeah, exactly. Right. So sometimes you need a Sherpa and we do have someone on our team who's really qualified to do that. And Julie Weiser, um, you probably talked to Julie or heard about, she's been coaching folks for a while. It's something that we did um, as well earlier and on in my career. But what I will say is if you need a Sherpa and you're feeling kludgy about this, get a coach. Don't try and do it by yourself. You didn't try to do it. You know, if you were a pro athlete, you had a coach. Right. Don't think you can do it without a coach now. Right. One of the things that, you know, you and I have been talking about too is, is trust, right. And trusting the process and trusting, you know, people, it's sort of people going into war together or battle together. They, they come out on the other end if they, they can trust each other. Talk to us a bit about building trust with your teams, about building trust with other individuals and building trust with your clients. You know, I probably my favorite story about trust started, I was a part of a, an offsite um, with an organization called Story Leaders. And essentially the story behind each of us is the most powerful thing to unlock who it is we are and what makes us who we are. And in this three-day offsite, the leader basically had been told, look, buddy, you got to get your act together <laughs> because the way you're leading, backing over people isn't working. So change it up. And it's time to eat some humble pie because your team's ready to leave you. <laughs> so it was this Hail Mary situation. And this individual had the courage after being coached there to stand up in front of his team, a very broad team, and basically say, I admit that I've been harsh. I want to change that. But I also want you to understand where I'm coming from. And he was brave enough to talk about that he never got any approval from dad, but the less approval he received the more he worked hard. And so the story he made up in his head was, if I'm hard on people, they will work hard for me, which was not working. Right. So first that was hard for the team to stomach, but what happened is their trust came up 10 clicks that day because they started to understand him. Their empathy grew and with empathy and vulnerability, which that's like a bad word in many circles, what happens is trust grows because I can see you now as a human. I can see you as a person and I can identify with you and 
you were willing to be, to risk with me. So I'm willing to risk with you. And that's the beginning of trust. As unsexy as that is. No, it's so true. It's the beginning. It's sort of the Brene Brown, right? With the whole, the vulnerability talk on Ted. And I just listened to her podcast with Tim Ferriss and, and that's really what it is. People, if you start showing people that you're human, it's a complete, completely different ball game, right? It's yeah. sort of gone of, you know, our parents' generation of, oh, you can't show any weakness, can't show any emotion, you can't do any of this stuff because mm-hmm. if you do, you're weak and you're not going to go anywhere and that type of stuff. Meanwhile, you just go straight to the bar at the end of the day. But <laughs> that's what that's what that's how that happens. But it's there. There is power in that. Number one. Number two. I remember. When I first got into this business, I was talking to someone and they said, never be afraid to admit that you're new in the business because there is so much power in that and people will tell you everything you need to know. So whenever I go, even to this day, when I go into a search, I, you know, I just try to give them or give overview when I'm kicking it off. I know enough to be dangerous, but tell me, tell me what we need to know. And all of a sudden you learn so much with just those few lines. It's, it's unbelievable. I completely agree. Yes. If we come into the, the party with humble open hands, we get so much more out of it. No, it's huge. It we is really huge. So talk to us about, you know, we're coming up here. Wow. Over 35 minutes, but I love what you're talking about clarity, right? And how do people find clarity? And I'm sure this is in your book, but what are your thoughts on clarity and where, where does that come from? I've talked to a number of people that just keep bringing up clarity as the key component to this. So for people who don't know what clarity is, try to be as specific as you can. Yeah, I will. Um, I'll see if I can be clear. <laughs> of course, perfect. <laughs> okay. I know I'm just being a total geek about books, but this is kind of, this is one of my favorites. So Brendan Bouchard is a coach who you might be aware of. Oh yeah. And yeah. He, he put together this amazing study um, that was bi-coastal, two universities, University of Penn and UC Santa Barbara. Over 157,000 people participated, which, you know, typical studies are several thousand, and that's considered to be a good data set. So he went well above and beyond on this yeah. thing. And what they found is that the top indicators of high performers are these, so clarity, energy, necessity, productivity, influence, and courage. At the top of that stack is clarity because clarity, if I'm clear, that's going to drive my energy. If I'm, if I'm clear about what I need to get done today, I feel good about it and I'll be able to get it done. And it's usually a finite thing. For example, this morning I'm going to run five miles and I need to get it done before seven because I have a call or whatever it might be, right? I have the energy to get it done and I'm excited because I have a goal. Necessity is I have to accomplish these things today. Why? Because my goals require it or my, my quarterly numbers require this, or I'm in the middle of COVID and I need to pull through for my team. There's a necessity, which is the thing that gets us out of bed. It's our kids. It's our purpose. It's our why. And that is necessity. Productivity is another piece that just follows as a result. And when we are productive, when we have high energy, because we don't get energy, we produce energy, then we have influence and we also have the courage to get it done. 
but I go through all that to get back to clarity. If we don't have clarity, none of that works. It's, it's like the, the foundation that allows us to build on everything else. If I'm clear about my purpose, if I'm clear about what it is I want to do and what my contribution is to the world, then I bounce out of bed. Perfect. No, that was great. What about, so where can people find you? Where can they find more about you? Where can they find the book that hopefully is coming out here fairly soon? Talk to us a bit about that so people can reach out if they have any questions, comments, or feedback. Thank you. Um, email is sanderson at zrgpartners.com. Um, that's my email. would love to hear from you. The book should probably be ready for publish uh, here in the next six to eight months, depending upon how fast the the editor and the writer can finish the last 20 pages. <laughs> uh, but you know, we are, we're getting incredibly close. Would love to hear from you. And most of all, would love to hear feedback. Uh, if there's anything here today that you think we need to tweak or think about twice, please bring your wisdom. Um, Cause I'd love to include it. Appreciate it. This is awesome, Summer. I really appreciate it. What you're doing is super cool. I love this stuff as well. And if anyone has any questions or comments or feedback, reach out to me directly as well at klubin at ZRG Partners. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast at The Ultimate Hire. And feel free to uh, just go out there and keep making it happen. Define your purpose. Find your clarity. And it'll help guide you in the right direction. So thanks, Summer. Thank you.